Have you ever struggled with an injury? If so, how long was your recovery time? Today's guest has been dealing with a debilitating ankle injury for over a year, and she's finally starting to see some light at the end of the tunnel. Sonia Glover is a delightful human being who I met through social media, and she has been through a lot and has used running to get through everything, including the death of both of her parents. As someone whose body is basically held together with like duct tape and paper clips, and who's also lost a parent, I got a lot out of this conversation, and I know you will as well. Just a couple notes before we get started. One, Sonia and I spend some time talking about eating disorders in the latter half of this episode. If you or someone you know is struggling with an eating disorder, I attach some like help information from the National Eating Disorders Association in the show notes. There also seems to be a bit of an issue with noise coming from my mic during certain parts of the show. I don't know why it did that, and I hope you don't find it too frustrating. I'm sorry. And if you like this episode, I'd really appreciate if you would subscribe to the show and share it with someone else. The whole reason I make this podcast is to provide more free, high-quality running information, so the more people we get in the tribe, the better. All right, that's enough babbling on my end. Let's get into the episode. Welcome to the Trail and Ultra Running Training Podcast. My name is Will Franz, and I'm here to help you improve your training so you can have more fun out on the trails. This week on the podcast, I have Sonia Glover. I'm going to have her introduce herself. She is a, like, what is it, couch to 100 miles on both Instagram and TikTok, and she and I are parasocial social media friends and I just wanted to have a chat with her about injuries and running purpose and community and all sorts of stuff so Sonia why don't you introduce yourself hello I'm Sonia Glover I am originally from Heber Arizona now residing in Chandler Arizona I have loved running I've been running since I've been seven years old and Right now, we're at a pause due to an injury. Yeah, uh, and as a lot of people know, my body is like riddled with effects of old injuries, so pretty empathetic. What happened? Let's talk about that a little bit. Well, let's do a rewind. So couch to 100 miles. There's a lot to say about that, but I'll bring the story to, to right where we need to be. Um, I was training for my first 100 miler. My coach is Tom, Tommy Lunera. And he's the one who coined the the couch to 100 because I had lost my parents 14 months apart. My dad was unexpected. And then 14 months later, my mom passed away um, from a broken heart. And I knew that I wanted to run a 100 miler because as any as how I felt any time that I would cross a finish line, whether it be a 5K a 10K half marathon, full marathon, I felt to myself, I know I can, if I can do this, I can do more. So that is why I wanted to do a hundred miler. And originally I wanted to do it in 2020 uh, to honor my mom who was going through chemotherapy. Sure. And that I, I just wanted to show you are so strong. You have been strong coming into this country. You are strong going through this treatment. You're strong because you just lost your husband and you're going through this. 
I want to show honor you in this hundred. Well, that didn't happen. She passed away May 23rd of 2020, and it wasn't COVID related or cancer related. So okay. like, like I, a lot of people here know that I like lost my dad, and that's gonna like set me down this whole job path. So I feel yeah, it's it's hard. It's really hard. And Will, I am so sorry for your loss. I'm so sorry. I appreciate that. Yeah, it's a tough time, and especially when they're like sick on the way out. Like honestly, the death was not the hard part. So yeah, it's it's really hard. It is. It's hard to see them go through that, and uh, my husband and I, and some of my family members were my my parents' caregivers as well. So I stopped running. I just sat on the couch, depressed, grieving, stricken, depression. Sat on the couch, didn't want to do anything, didn't want to get up, didn't want to even shower, and I said, "Enough is enough. I need to." honor my parents in some way I need to get out running is a form of everybody says therapy and it's true it helps depression it helps everything for me so I got out there I I through a friend I uh contacted Tommy Lunetta who helps with mindfulness meditation and that's kind of helped me calm my um anxiety and depression and I got out there I got out there again and previously uh, when my dad passed away I ran 100k Havelina 100k and as I was training if you believe in signs I could hear him running beside me as I would train and white butterflies and that was him letting me know hey I'm here my parents were my number one supporters along with my husband and I just knew that they were there. So when I started okay. training, my mom started to appear, a yellow butterfly. She loved the color yellow. So not only did I have a yellow butterfly, I had white butterflies. I had my dad pacing me. And just being out in nature is so relaxing. It's it's lets you just scream, let out everything that you need to out on the trail, out out there, just release. So I was training for Havelina 100 Miler. Three weeks before the race, I signed up for the virtual London Marathon. And I said, what best way to get my marathon in is to practice on the actual race course, which I had been doing previously, previous months. But I did Escondido Trail, and it's really technical. And I started off that trail, not even three miles. I did this with my ankle. Yep. Like, ah, like, oh, okay, shake it off, shake it off. It's fine, it's fine, I'm fine. I have um, a compression sleeve, cast sleeves, I'm fine. Walk it off, walk it off. And that, mind you, was the first three, two or three miles of the 26. Like, eh, it's okay, keep going. So I did, I kept going. I was fine, little pain, but what pain do you not feel? normal yeah absolutely so i came home and i looked at it it didn't look bruised it didn't look puffy i did a spin cat spin class five days later and it went and then it got swollen and bruised yeah i, saw I know how that goes unfortunately <laughs> yeah um i was like this can't be happening three weeks before there is no 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 i was already seeing a physical therapist 
Um, I saw um, a nurse practitioner, they looked at it, they checked it off, check, you can run the race. Perfect. I ran the race and I sprained both ankles again. And I finished a, a little bit of background thought too. I Wait, did you finish that 100K on both ankles? On the 100, the 100 miler? Yes, oh, but sorry. here's, yes, but in the golden hour, I was the one who was seven minutes over oh, the cutoff no. time. Okay, yeah. So, yes. Got it. So you got but 100 miles finish. in, but not under the time. Yeah, not in the time, seven yeah. minutes over, no buckle, but it didn't matter that my why was to run it with for my parents. Absolutely. So that, to me, I did it. I did it. Yeah, I mean, I... <laughs> I'd count it actually. Like I realized that like race have to have cutoffs and everything like that. But, yeah, you ran a hundred miles. That's yes. uh, hard. You did the thing. And, and I love Aravipa um, Jubilee, who is the race director. She gave me this uh, little plaque, and it had like a I can't believe I can't remember what it was. Uh, I still have it. The little animal, and it's colorful, and it was a plaque, and it was. Um, the name of the the race who made the race I, I can't remember her name who came up with the race mm. anyways she presented that to me so I have something to remember that the acknowledgement that's great good so story I kept running on it I kept running on it I had one more race which was an official it was a 50 miler which you could run in a month a week a day, however you wanted to break it up. And it was um, to honor one of my TikTok friends and Instagram friends. His name is, uh, his handle is Let's Go Joe. And he has a blind son. And every time around uh, December, November, he does this race, a 50 miler to honor his son because he's blind and with special needs. And he's he said, hey, anybody in the running community would like to join me, you can run at your own pace. You will get a little medal with my kid, my son's face on it. I said, absolutely. That's awesome. Well, I run. Yeah, it, it's great cause. I ran it and I think I took about two weeks and I knew something wasn't right. It, my ankle was not feeling well uh, on the um, trail. So I finally finally made an appointment with the ankle specialist, which led, the MRI showed a tear in the Achilles and a tear in the ankle ligament, and this is the right ankle. Awesome. Which yeah. ligament uh, did you tear? I really don't know the technical name, but it, it's right on the ankle part, not the inner, the outer. Okay. Yeah, that's just me being a nerd. Don't worry about it. No, it's okay. Yeah. It's okay to nerd out. <laughs> yeah, it's my whole job. But yeah, like it's uh, it's hard. And like I obliterated my ankle in college and I'm pretty sure I did like some, we're not going to call it irreparable because it did the job, but like really slow healing damage to my entire, it's called your deltoid, right? So if you have your foot and it's like across the whole top, like I just like destroyed that thing. And it took a really, really long time for it to get fully better. Um, and I wasn't even as like wrecked as you were because I didn't have to go through the surgery thing. But like I did, I did my time in the boot. I did my time of like re-spraining it like an idiot. Like it just, 
I I hate ankle injuries. I hate them so much. I can't even tell you. So the fact that you've been dealing with that that long, I have nothing but empathy. Thank you. I, I mean, I've been getting a lot of backlash for non-runners, colleagues of mine. You should stop running. You see how much running is bad for you. I get it. I understand. I hope that some I felt that they were concerned but some I oh there goes my dog sorry bless you yes okay I, um, I just feel that some of them they just didn't know what else to talk about oh you've been in that boot you've been but will how long was your recovery uh that is a complicated answer a year uh start to finish um okay. but it shouldn't have been that long um I was 20 19 I was 19 and um booted for a while my dad was thankfully like a really good PT so like he helped me go through a bunch of exercises and heal it um but I was playing ultimate frisbee at the time like trying to be fairly competitive at it and it's a very like short sprinting sport right so there wasn't this like slow build-up I didn't know what I was doing like didn't have like any coach like properly like build me back into running so like it would be feeling better I'd do all my rehab we'd go through these things like and kind of jog it a little bit and then we go to a track workout and like try to run a 400 and as soon as like i take off like it would it would sprain again and that probably happened three or four times over the year um and then i took a summer off because like we i wasn't at school and that's like what it needed to actually get better but yeah it didn't really get better for a year partially like ignorance uh re-injury poor like guidance on the point of like school medical professionals like the athletic trainer and I did not see eye to eye on certain things so yeah like in retrospect knowing what I knew now probably should take in three months uh in actuality it took about a year um I, I just that's what I was trying to tell the people that would always say you're never gonna run you should stop running it takes time to heal. It's not a four week. It's not six yeah. week. And I did this to myself in 2018 when I really started getting into uh, elevation, vert training, and my first ultra. I didn't stretch. And I had a nodule in the back of my Achilles. And yeah. my PT would always just fix me up, get me ready for the next race. He's like, I'm so scared it's going to rupture. I'm like, it's not. Just do your magic. Do what you got to do. Get me ready. And he's been doing this since 2016 with one of my for or one of my marathons, San Francisco Marathon, which was hilly. I'm like, just get me fixed. Yeah. And so I didn't stretch. I mean, it's us runners when do we stretch when it's when it's too late yeah like, and i don't think hard... i mean very honest like i'm you know, like put some like professional guidance here like you don't always need to kind of depending who you are like what your what your issues are like runners probably put too much on stretching and not enough on strength training which is what i see you do on like the instagram a lot um i think like we put a lot on stretching which can be important i mean to be fair i have like hip or labrum issues in my right side if i don't stretch that i'm probably going to break and probably going to tear that further but most of the time we need to be like strengthening the counterbalancing muscles that are actually causing the problem right so like for straining if, if we keep spraining the ankle it's because your ankle's weak right or your foot's weak right. 
um, or your cat for your tibialis anterior, anything like in this lower leg is like causing you problems. And if we don't fix the actual problem, then yeah, of course, like you're going to get hurt, which I've done a lot. Um, and I think most of us have, unfortunately. Yeah, I, I can't stress strength training. I, I hired a personal trainer 2016. Um, I had IT band issues, my both my knees. I was getting cortisone shot. Once I started strength training, knock on wood, they went away. Yeah. They went away. I bet, I bet. That's awesome. Really good. That's fantastic. What do you do for strength work? Well, I have a personal trainer and bless her because she has been so patient with me being non-weight bearing. Mostly it was upper body or core. However, I could get any work done without putting any pressure on my ankle. And she would find other ways to how I could still work my hamstrings. And she was, she's very creative and a genius at it. So whatever she could throw it at me, she did. And now she's, we're both happy that we can finally do a little bit of weight bearing strength training. I can't wait to do squats and um, hand cleans. Oh, I can't wait. I can't wait. Wait, I saw you on the sled a few, like a week ago. That's good. How's, uh, how's the ankle feeling during all of that? Uh, it's, it's really sore and uh, I'm just taking it slow. I can't rush this. I don't want to undo everything that I worked so hard for with my, my physician. And And so when I'm able to do the bike, it gets sore. It's sore. It's weak. It's sore. And what a transition from the boot to the ankle brace. And just being at work on it for 12 hours, I get still sore and puffy. Even if I wear compression socks, it's still saying, hey, I'm still here. And then matter of fact, after this um, interview, I'm going to go see my ankle specialist. So let's see what he says. I've been in the ankle brace for a little about a month and a week. So we'll see what the progression is. Good. It's awesome. And like, I've seen you go through quite a bit of it. Did you have to, I mean, I've seen laser treatments, all this stuff. Did you have to get surgery to fix your Achilles? Like what ended up happening? Not surgery. So um, let me see if I can say the acronym right. APRP shots. Yep. Multiple shots in the Achilles. And um, there was, the, the I, can't, I don't know the ankle ligament, but he did have to go in there. And it was just being so stubborn that he did have to go in there and and fix it. Got it. That makes sense. So, yeah. So, uh, I had been in the boot. Well, how he started me off, he's like, let's see if um, ankle braces on both ankles will do the trick. <laughs> so, for about four months, I was in it and I said, hey, I feel so great. And then, June of 2022, I got to run. I, my first day was National or Global Day, Global Running Day. I'm like, yeah, I get to participate. One month as it went, and I started hitting the trails. Nope, nope. Mm-mm. The Achilles was saying, nope, no, no. So then I was put in a boot, and I had to be off of it, and I was out of work for eight weeks, knee scooter. And then I went to work with a knee scooter, which I'm like, I'm like, I can't sit here and rot. I can't, I can't. I have to go do, I have to go to work. I'm so thankful yeah. that my my workplace allowed me to be in the scooter. So I had been in the boot in, since, August of 2022 and just recently I got out of it 
Uh, it's wait, so long. I hate yeah. it so much. <laughs> I'm so sorry. <laughs> oh, man. Um, what do you do for work? I'm a medical laboratory scientist. Okay. So what we really do, cool. thank you. Um, what we do is that we tell the doctors, we tell the nurses, what is wrong with you? We uh, we can tell you if you have cancer. We can if you we can find the correct blood for you when you need a transfusion. We can tell you if your electrolytes are off or your kidneys are going. It, it's just we're the ones in the hospital that you, they take your blood. The phlebotomist will draw your blood. We'll test it. We'll tell you if you have cancer, your kidneys are failing, your liver's failing, or um, you're anemic, or let's set, set up some blood and send it up to the nurse. That's awesome. I actually know someone who does that kind of work here at the University of Utah. That's really cool. I, what do you find, like, from that like what do you mostly have from that work like who who seems to be coming at you the most like is it a lot of cancer is it more like testosterone stuff like where where are you well um our hospital is more geriatric so we don't we do have cancer patients but we get um we're a trauma we're a trauma level one hospital right. as well okay. so we get a lot of that so it, it encompasses a, a cancer or traumas or uh a lot cool. awesome. i could keep going yeah i mean i could listen to it forever and everybody else can be real bored so we'll like move on yeah. but thanks yeah that's awesome um so as far as like the recovery where where are you now and i'd like to like take a step back here in a minute but at the moment like where are you now on your journey to like getting back to to running and racing um i see you moving a little bit again what's your forecast so right now um for the month that i was in the in the ankle brace um the my ankle specialist had me on the bike with no resistance huh? i could swim but not really kick my legs which i haven't gone swimming that's another issue a lot of weight gain there is it comes with yeah. injury gaining so weight and so that's all I've been doing. Oh, and the strength training I've been doing through doing that ever since I stopped running. Yeah, that's awesome. So yeah, it sounds like you're you're moving a little bit. Are you able to get like some of that? Do you feel like you've been able to preserve some at least some of your cardio um, from the from the biking and that stuff? I feel like I'm starting at square one again. I'm yep. very winded. Even my personal trainer has me doing the ropes. I'm still winded. And then she has me do a circuit. She's like, no resting, no resting. I'm like, oh my God, no offense. That girl running again. That I just, it, it's frustrating. because yeah. No, for real, you, it sucks. Yeah. And I'm glad you're being honest about this. Thank you. Because I feel like a lot of the time we hear this thing, like you get injured and you'll get right back to it. And it's like, no, you're you'll probably get back to it faster than it originally take to build it, but it's going to be an unpleasant couple months, man. Like that's yeah. It, it is. And then this added weight just doesn't help physically, mentally. doesn't. Yeah. And I may have a little, like, how did you get into running in the first place? Running. So I was chubby kid. And my grandmother would come from Mexico every summer and bring my cousin, who 
is three months older and she could not hold on to weight. So here she is, uh, a cousin that cannot hold weight and me who gains weight with anything, looking, thinking, drinking, eating. My grandmother was so into health and eating healthy and being active that she would walk all the time. She would never run, but she would walk. And we would go to a track, which is about 2.5 to 3 miles away from our house. And she would have us, um, or at least me, walk it. And then she told me to start running. And from, I don't know if she thought it was a form of punishment because I was chubby. No, I fell in love with running then. I wasn't fast, never a fast runner, but I could do the distance. And that's how I got into running at the age of seven and didn't really start racing until I believe it was either 2011, 2012, when my brother-in-law, Justin, brought it up to my husband and I, I'd like to do a marathon, like perfect. My work is sponsoring um, this, it was called the PF Chang half marathon marathon at the time I said I'll sign us up we'll do the half marathon and that's when I officially started racing that's awesome I mean that story like definitely brings up some conflicting feelings for me right like I also grew up as kind of like a fat kid for a little while and it was not always the best and I definitely have a complicated relationship with my body um, to this day and don't really, I'm not really able to trust what I see in the mirror. Like body is more for all this stuff. Like eating is kind of a, a mixed bag and I do best when I like try to train for, for performance, but I'm not going to say that like all of that is completely better. And so for me, like running as a like heavier teenager was definitely punishment. Um, and I would love to know how you were able to frame it in this like positive way when many of us hearing that story probably have a reaction that's more on my side. Well, I, I believe that I've had positive and negative as well. It makes sense. Um, at age, age five, I started dieting. I saw my older sister's diet and I was chunky. Sure, I'm going to diet too. Um, I was, what would you say? I was bullied as a kid I was a fat kid mm -hmm. I, my nickname was snowball so the eating disorders came and then yeah. I am thankful for my grandmother for introducing me to running but it also put an image in me that I need to be thin I need to be thin and that is where I started with eating disorders yeah and I kept this quiet for my mom and dad until like my senior year, or at least my junior year, senior year, when they had to take me to the ER. Um, I would fluctuate. I would be anorexic or I would be a binge eater or I'd be bulimic in that whole elementary to high school. And running to me, I felt like it was a way that I didn't want it. I, of course, when you have eating disorders, you find exercises being obsession. Yeah. And maybe it was, but for me, it was a way to just release. And I guess maybe I did overdo it. Maybe I did. But for me, I was just seeing, 
I can release. I can just have a little bit of time that I don't have all that pressure. I get that. And like, that's actually strength training was for me. So that makes, that tracks just like a different format. And I feel like you don't seem to have as maybe as much of that relationship now. I don't know what's going on inside your head, but like, what did, what helped you move through it and maybe on to a slightly, hopefully fully better place? I was um, through the my religion. They would always take us to uh, a youth. I think it, it was what was it called? Youth, youth world. I can't remember. We'd have to go to New Mexico, Farmington, New Mexico. I believe it was Farmington. And okay. sorry, I'm from New Mexico. There's not a lot oh. of Farmington, so that's why I'm getting like, anyway, God. <laughs> so. That's, we would have you, oh, I can't remember what the name was, but I would do that like every, every time they would have it, World Youth Day, that's okay. what it was with, and all these um, parishes and Catholics would come together, youth, and, and just, um, they would, they would we'd celebrate and learn more about the religion, so I got returning spiritually in that and I still didn't tell my parents I didn't tell anything yeah. nothing so I was trying to work through that way and when it came to the point that I couldn't hide it I was not to get too graphic I was just couldn't stop throwing up and it was blood now at that point was coming up yeah. so my parent my parents and my sister had to rush me to the ER and that's when I had to tell them. And then they said, would you like to have some help with eating disorders? And I looked at my mom, no. So technically, I never had any therapy or any, I didn't go to any institution to that. I just looked, just did it on my own. Was it spiritually? Maybe I'm like this with spiritual it just worked its way out maybe running I don't know but I still have it I can't look in the mirror especially now 20 pounds and the heaviest that I've been I'm at I can't I can't look. it's hard for me to look at who I am what I am and I'm like I don't look like a runner I'm not a runner anymore and I even until then when I was thinner I, I just felt like all these ultra runners especially when I was doing toe the 100 miler at Havelina, I looked at everybody. I'm like, I don't belong here. I don't have their physique, their muscle, their skinny. I'm different. I'm not. And I just said, you know what? That's not your why. You have a stronger why. You have every right to be here. You trained. You are who you are and run this race. And I did. And later on, when I was so in, when I was looking at the people at the start line, when people who were the ones who were really muscular, it didn't make me happy that they DNF'd, but it showed me that even if you're thin or you're muscular, it doesn't necessarily mean that you can get to the finish line. It's not a requirement. No, that's not so true. And that story's hard. 
Tanya, very honestly, like it's it's a tough thing to kind of process. And I think a lot of people listening to this have definitely gone off and on with eating stuff, right? For lack of better term, like there's eating disorders, there's disordered eating, there's all this like struggle. And I think a lot of people who end up in ultras like have some version of it one way or another. Like usually you're a little dopamine driven if you're going to run a hundred miles or <laughs> at least want to. And there's a lot of crossover between disordered eating and like dopamine drive like there's definitely like because it's all a control thing right like there's a lot of that so when you end up like i don't think there's a good and a perfect answer for everybody like i think therapy is great i think these groups are great i like had uh someone on a while ago and her name's kelly like if anybody hasn't listened to that interview you probably should but like that that was that was its, its own approach <laughs> and i think like I'm not sure it ever fully goes away. It just gets better. Like I know to some degree what I look like um, because people tell me, but like I don't really see it. And that's kind of a tough thing. And I think like really focusing on, like, as you you said, like what what you can do, um, setting your goals, focusing on your why, like getting across the finish line, these are not one-to-one relationships at all. And not focusing on some of the, the minutia or whatever percentage is like below camera here <laughs> and like not getting lost in the stuff that doesn't actually matter in the grand scheme of things is what we need to do. And however you're able to do that is what matters. So if we're looking at like, you mentioned your why, and I think that is actually probably the biggest thing that is gonna make a difference for some of this deeper, harder stuff. Like, for most people that I talk to who want to start this journey of running farther than we should be, uh, I think the why is the is the point, right? Like you should sign up for races that matter to you. You should have this like driving factor. So when you say you had a why, like I would love to hear more about that. So being um, my parents, one of my parents' caregivers and they've lived with us. I just, their story, their, they, the stuff they had to do to get to this country and work to give my sister and I the best life. I, and how, no matter if they were tired, how many hours they worked, if they felt sick, that to me helped me build my why. If my parents could do this, I can do this. And what better way to honor their memory and keep their name alive, their memory alive, is if I run my races for them, for their memory. That's what keeps pushing me. And like I said, I am, I am so thankful for the signs that I get while I'm training because they they might have they're not physically here but I still get that butterfly I still get my dad pacing and it just keeps going I, I just feel like if I can run 
running through grief and can help somebody who is grieving that you don't have to sit on the couch and rot. You can get up, whether it be cycling, running, or starting a little business, or sewing, or crocheting, whatever is your hobby, you can get up, you can get up and move forward, not move on, move forward. So that's my why, that, that is why I do Couch to 100 Miles, running through grief. Uh, everybody has a grief, whether you lost a job, whether you lost a loved one, whether you lost a pet, or you lost a best friend that they're still living you're always going through something that is troubling you. It's you're grieving. So get up off the couch, take baby steps and get to what is your finish line. Uh, so I have a question that's like been know, on my mind to some degree. Um, I feel, I heard this quote a while ago that like a lot of ultra runners are running either to something or away from something. Right. And this kind of brings us to mind, like, what do you feel the difference is for people like running, like through grief versus running away from grief? So the ones running away from grief are the ones who are closing up. They don't want to talk about it. They, 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 if they're, that's fine. If you want to be close and not talk about it, that's how you want to grieve. That's perfectly fine. There's no wrong way, no right or wrong way to grieve. That, if you want to run away for it, run away from it, that's fine. Perfect. But don't stay too long on that. Come back and run towards the, the healing. And I feel like to some degree that would bring us to community, right? Because like you, other people shut down been there repeatedly <laughs> like in shutting down if we're like having that running away being synonymous with that then running to running through like seems to involve some aspect of community and I can see that you're very involved in the like Phoenix area Aravipa like Arizona running community and like what have you done to stay involved in that community in spite of like not being able to maybe participate in the races yourself as a as a runner, what have you done to stay involved in the community? Well, it was hard when the pandemic hit. That was, and then my mom passing. So after my injury, um, my good friend Danelle, she was training for Cocodona 250. And I had the honor, along with her sister, to be her crew chief. Nice. And um, I, I, that was uh, something that I got to live through it. I got to be part of the running community, not running it, but I was. it was so wonderful to help these runners achieve their goals. Once we would get to Nell out of one aid station to the next point, we would stay behind because we had a lot of time. So what would we do? we would crew those people who didn't have anybody to help them. So that was just the most wonderful thing to see these amazing athletes go through sleep deprivation, go through the blisters, losing toenails, falling, everything, let's patch you up 
get you going. That's what helped me through my injury, which I was in those ankle braces still. And then um, I got to volunteer once for Frenzy at the Escondido aid station. Oh, that trail, Escondido. I'm going to show you that. I'm coming back. I got to do that because it was open and I was on a knee scooter. I was on my all-terrain knee scooter and I still was so grateful that Era Vipa let me volunteer and I even contacted them saying if you're not okay you think I'm a liability I won't do it I hear back so I said that's a yes so I went and it was so great to see everybody again getting them out of that aid station and go and then um I haven't been really volunteering much because I did sign up for across the years and I did reach out to um, Patty because that one aid station, it's very close. And I was in a knee scooter and it was, uh, and I agree with Patty because number one, we're there for the runners. We need to be there. And I, it's so close. I, I just couldn't have the mobility into with the um, knee scooter. So I haven't been after that really volunteered with Aravipa. Um, I, through my social media, uh, if I see my fellow friends, virtual friends, if they're doing a race, uh, I'll FaceTime with them. Like, let's go, Joe. He he did uh, Buckeye 200. I was FaceTiming with him. I say, come on, buddy. Come on, buddy. You need to drink. You need to get some rest. That's how I kind of stay in the community. If I can't volunteer, I'm going to FaceTime you. I'm going to find you. I'm going to call you. It's some way to get you to your finish line. I love that. I'm like, what have you found so positive about this community because I I agree like I started coaching trail runners before I even was one and it's like there's something about the trail community that does feel different to me what does that what is that for you like what what draws you to this community so much I just feel like we're it's the positivity that the radiation of the love for this sport that we have it's just so positive. It's like, you're right. It's different. We're not worried about paces. How fast are you running? It's nothing like that. It's not, maybe to a point it is competitive, but it's not, it's more humbling. People out there are so humble. Strangers, hey, you need help? Sure, I'll take help. It's it's really a humbling experience. I, I, I don't know how to explain it, that it draws me to this community. They're very positive. I, they'll take you in it doesn't matter what you look like how fast you run they, if you have a goal come on I'm going to help you and I, I really love that because my first it was my second ultra I was doing cold water 52k I was struggling and one of Aravipa's running team team members her name is Colleen. She was, I don't know if she was first place at that time, second place, whatever. She stopped and talked to me. Here she is. She's running her race. She's, she has a goal in mind, but she stopped to, to talk to me and give me a high five and say, get at it. Let's go. That's the thing that draws me to this community. You may be competitive, but if you can stop and if you stop and help somebody else, it's just, it's just wonderful. I agree. There's like definitely something inclusive to it that I can't like 
it's completely put my finger on, but it's, it's just very welcoming, I guess. Well, I think that's all of the things I had on my like list of stuff that I want to talk to you about. Do you have anything else you'd like to share or add before we close this out for today? Um, sure. Uh, also, too, uh, the way uh, running, when I say running is in my blood. Uh, my father told me when um, I was helping him with his wound because uh, I'll make the story short. He got I'll attacked by two pet bulls and um, they tore off his thumb and the sparkler guy saved his life. He was delivering water, saved his life. And he went to the hospital where, where I work at and my dad was so strong and they weren't able to save the thumb because of his age and sepsis could be a problem. Anyways, as his recovery and I was patching up his wound, he told me, Miha, which is maybe a slang or pet name for a daughter, I know why you like to run. And I said, why is it that? Why is it that I like to run? He goes, it's in your blood. And of course, I'm translating everything because this is in Spanish. He's like, I'm a Tara Umara, those mm -hmm. long distance runners. And so therefore, you are. And I'm like, oh, my God. Gosh, I said, no wonder you got so excited when the Tarahumaras came and ran at cold water. No wonder you were showing me in the newspaper saying, look, look. And it makes sense. They, yeah. My dad, he loved for me to run. He was the first one to say, let me see your medal. I want to see your medal. Or if I'm training, hey, what's on the training plan today? Oh, dad, I only ran 20 miles. That's it. <laughs> So, yeah, that's another reason why I love running. And I don't know if you saw in some, that one month that I got to run, I was running in sandals. Mm -hmm. I was running in sandals trying to, uh, my coach said, let's strengthen those um, ankle muscles and take it easy and let's get into um, bare, like not barefoot running, but sort of. And I said, you know what? That's great. I'll be running like my ancestors. Really cool. I think the uh, the history of the Tarahumara is fascinating to a lot of us. And the fact that you're like so directly tied to that lineage is really, I don't know, probably some, uh, there probably feels something very special about that, right? Like I don't have a lot of that ancestral anything in my life. That's really cool that you have that like story to attach you. Did, was your dad a runner? Did he run? Well, he, well, they, he didn't live in the Sierra mountains. He lived in Chihuahua, Mexico. So not really much a runner. He didn't really run. But let me tell you, to the last days of his life, that man could walk. And we, I said, Dad, you should sign up for a 5K. You and me, a 5K. We'll start with a 5K. You don't have to run. You can walk. You can walk so fast. He's like, oh, I don't know. I don't know. So then we never had the chance to run or walk a race. But um, yeah. I did have the privilege to run a race with my mom. I pushed her in the wheelchair. She still could walk, but to me, I wanted her to feel that what I felt when my dad was with me, the presence. So I, we did like a a 10K and dressed her up as Mrs. Santa Claus and I pushed her. She's very competitive too. And uh, we had high hopes of, you know, let's let's do a half marathon. We were looking at Phoenix half marathon and then the marathon and then eventually I was looking at uh, charity bibs for Boston Marathon because when she came to came with me to the New York City Marathon she's like 
what's next? I'm like, you know, mom, I want to do Boston. Maybe we can do Boston together. And then that didn't never happen. So, That's but I still cool. have them with me. That's cool. So, I, mean, I really appreciate your time. Thank you so much for. No, Will, thank you to you. Thank you. Oh, anybody listening, thank you so much for being here. So, you hang out for one second. We'll be back with another one of these soon. Have a good one. Thank you for listening to the Trail and Ultra Running Training Podcast. Honestly, I'm still surprised and honored that anybody wants to hear what I have to say. So, thank you. To be clear, not a doctor, nor a registered dietitian, or any other kind of medical professional. I'm a personal trainer, a nutrition coach, and a running coach, and I have a passion for training trail runners. You should always speak with a qualified medical professional before making any changes to your training or nutrition program. If you enjoyed the podcast or found it helpful, please take a second to leave a rating or review. I'd really appreciate it. Or you could just share it with someone for whom you think it might be helpful. I make these kinds of things in order to provide more quality, free resources to people, so the more people who hear it, the better. If you want more of this information, please head to the Trail and Ultra Running Training Group on Facebook, where we discuss all aspects of training, so you can have more fun doing the sport that you love. Thank you again for listening.